Hello, I'm Mark Weaver, president of Mark Weaver & Associates Interior Design. I'd like to invite you to our Instagram Live series called Designers at Home. It's every other Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. It's a casual, informative, and exclusive discussion with renowned architects, interior designers, and artists from around the world. This half-hour podcast program is a recording of the live talk addressing all things design and architecture related, along with personal anecdotes and inspiration. Guests have included Emmy-nominated set decorator Peter Gursky, one of America's leading sculptors, Sabin Howard, renowned architect and artist Leo Marmel, and art advisor extraordinaire Barbara Guggenheim. We look forward to you joining us. Thank you. You look gorgeous as always. <laughs> Thank you. I know. We are in the office like the first time together in since February. So, uh-huh. but we're social distancing as well, um, and so this will be interesting to have us both join in. Yeah, I think everybody's sort of getting back to work, and we're doing the same thing. We all have uh, private rooms, separate rooms. So, and and I'm looking forward to getting back to work too. Yes. Yes. So last time I saw you, you were picking up your kids and I wanted to ask you how, you know, you've got a very dynamic professional life and you've got a personal life. So how, how do you balance um, children and, and um, an active professional life? I don't, I don't know, but you know what? <laughs> it's, you it's, just do it. You just do it. I think that, you know, when you're doing something you love, that makes all the difference and you know we're, we're so lucky to have the clients that we have and do what we do and the kids just bring kind of more meaning to everything for me so I try to find the joy in it in it all but it's challenging and being in um, in the quarantine and with the family like 24 7 because we've been really good about being safe and um, keeping it a tight bubble um, you kind of start to I kind of lost days for a while there, or just kind of go crazy, but it's all good. How about you? Oh, great. No, I, I, I've actually been very busy, and um, I'm finding myself actually busier than um, normal times, and it's uh, working on Zoom chats like we've talked about previously. It's, it's a little fatiguing, but we've been plenty busy, so I'm keeping occupied doing long walks and um, spending my weekends in Santa Barbara, so it's great. It's wonderful. I love anyway, that. Um, so you're a, aren't you're a Los Angeles native, aren't you? Yes, I am. So and... did did growing up in Los Angeles and uh, your exposure to, um, I guess your exposure to Hollywood must have had an, a great impact on you because that whole era and the period of of Hollywood. Regency architecture has had a big impact on the direction that you and Ron have taken in your career, right? For sure. Um, uh-huh. We, you know, Hollywood Regency wasn't a trend, you know, it was a trend be- before in this recent decade, but it's been here a long time, you know, for many, many decades. And that is a big part of our DNA, whether it's the more is more mantra or just living an opulent lifestyle. We really love the layering and the glamour of Hollywood. And we're very proud to be from the Hollywood region and you know, ce- celebrities, actors, musicians, artists, and celebrating our heritage is really important to us. Uh-huh. And you know, 
yes, my I have so much nostalgia for older houses like my grandparents and friends' homes that, you know, whether it was Beverly Hills, you know, Beverly Wood to um, Orange County, even, you know, all over Southern California, Palm Springs. And you remember the, the interiors from almost a bygone era. And I don't want to be like an old codger, like digging my heels in like, no, don't, you know, don't change history. But there's something pretty magical about Hollywood that we want to preserve and make sure it's carried forward for, you know, into the 21st century as well. No, I think you're right. It's um, there's obviously something magical about it because people from all over the world and it are enamored with it. Yes. So um, I think it's great that you guys are are involved with that. And then we're going to uh, talk to Ron in a little bit about your organization about saving iconic architecture. So when when you were um, young and growing up, what was it that sort of directed you in the uh, in the direction of um, interior design, what what sparked your interest? You know, I've I've always had a love for I think art and color, and you know, I think many people have the same experience. But as a child, my my parents let me redecorate our whole house, move around things. I was always painting. We painted a huge mural in our living room. You know, right on the wall. Um, it was a landscape mural that my mom and I did, and it was just. Um, if you felt like the need to just be creative, it was very welcomed in our household. And so I enjoyed that a lot. And I think, you know, growing up, you know, I was born in the seventies. And so here in Southern California and, you know, my parents were, you know, they had a VW van and were surfers and, you know, there was <laughs> bohemian type personalities too. So I think that that mix like the Laurel from Laurel Canyon to, um, the grandeur of architecture and design and just being in the city of Los Angeles, like driving through the city from the coast into, you know, all the way to downtown, you would see such a change of the landscape, um, like the topography and the architecture. And I was always just so fascinated by it and, and fell in love with it, really. And to see things like that disappear now in this in this generation at a rapid rate, it's really heartbreaking for me. And was there something in particular that you look back at and think that, gee, this was, this was one of the things that I loved, build, a building, a particular type of furniture, anything that really um, you thought was uh, inspirational? Yes, I mean, I love old Hollywood films and to see the sets from like All About Eve and you know, kind of the, the grandeur of living and um, from like Billy Haynes to John Elgin Wolf. It's, right, it, right. It, it just resonated. And, you know, to me, I thought, oh, that's how, you know, everyone knows, everyone knows that style and everyone understands the look of California, whether it's from Wallace Neff to Paul Williams, um, even to a modern, you know, era of the Schindlers. And, you know, California is so full of, modern art or architectural gems whether no matter what style it is and so i didn't realize like not everywhere has this type of magic and so i i just really think it's important to put a spotlight on that because um even in our own backyard i think a lot of people just don't no don't. i think it is important you know people tend i think people tend to think of los angeles as an architectural wasteland 
you know, they think of Los Angeles as a cultural and architectural wasteland where, where Disneyland and, um, you know, Universal Studios. And we're really a very rich culture here. We have some of the world's greatest museums. I mean, we're, we're blessed to have the two Gettys, the Villa and um, the, and the Getty Center. I mean, it's just extraordinary. Yes. And then we have museums all over town. And we do, we have some great um, modern architecture here. Los Angeles is a young town. So um, we don't have, you know, um, 17th and 18th century palazzos here. Ours is mostly, you know, 20th century. And that's what we're known for. But right. that's what's in vogue today. So it, it is very exciting. It is. And even though we have a short history, it's really important. And I think mo more and more people are understanding that. And even that patchwork of experimental architecture, all kinds of hodgepodges of, you know, styles that becomes that has become our type of architecture in California. Yes. And, you know, I think people come from all over the world to live this way. And um, it's important to keep it, even though we may take it, a lot of people take it for granted, I think. So most of the clients that are coming to you and Ron are, are interested, are they, are they interested in this period of architecture and design um, when they approach you or do they learn about it from you? You know, I think it's been such an evolution. I think in, in the earlier years of our, uh -huh. um, we would come across people who really wanted to do something different. They, they didn't want what anybody else had. And our style is more bold and we are known for more kind of a Hollywood opulent look. And um, even though we do all kinds of design work. Um, so we'd have to kind of re, position the client so that they understood the importance if they had a notable house like not to tear it down and to work with what you have I think a lot of people think old is bad and they want just new well and, that's what that's the mentality in Los Angeles I think right you know exactly and to tear it down yeah, it's a modern city exactly and so and and that's wonderful too and heck there's there's 80% of things that go ahead and tear it down, you know, and so there's, you know, we're really just focusing on some of the iconic things that have survived thus far that have really weaved, you know, this quilt of LA and that you want to preserve to tell our story from a heritage standpoint. So especially architectural heritage. Mm -hmm. So now clients, it's a nice parallel. We have a lot of clients that are long-term clients who, who have elevated like and graduated into like understanding the vocabulary of design and from our, teachings, I guess, but then also new clients who know what our mantra, our mantra and like our passion is about preservation. And they come to us now for these very notable projects that have a pedigree and want to maintain that. Good. When, when you're doing something for yourself personally, um, do you have the same approach as, uh, and the same sort of uh, style that you uh, work with clients? I think so. I think, you know, our, our approach is, you know, the way you evaluate a space, it, it doesn't change, at least for me, I, you know, and in my own house with kids and stuff, it, some of that I just have to turn off. I literally, you know, turn, <laughs> turn off, it's like um, bringing into context your design approach, it does change with every context. And so, right. yeah, I um, constantly am looking at my house and I have a, I have a historic house. It's a, it was built in 1965, so it's a case study style. It's not right. 
program, but it's a wood and glass post and beam. So really, when you approach a space like that, it's very different than a standard house. Even we have limited storage space. We, you know, there's a lot of open light and to work with. And so it is what it is. And we, you know, you make it work. Oh, great. Yeah. So um, do you have, um, is there anything you can think of um, Los, Los Angeles, uh, either architecturally or in the design area that you would consider your favorite or something you think is the most outstanding? Oh my gosh, there's so many. I mean, I love, I love the bygone era of like the romantic Spanish homes, you know, again, the Wallace Neffs and the, there's a house um, by Robert Farquhar, who the architect, and he, this is in, it's in um, Homeby Hills and it's called Howlwood. Right. And it's a, it's a mashup of like Italians, Italianite, Spanish. I know the house, yeah. And it's gorgeous house. It was, and it's still standing, but it's in danger. And so that's a big one we're championing. Um, it was owned by Sonny and Cher. Right. Buddy Curtis lived there for a number of years. And it's just a real nice example of old Hollywood right. and the last of its kind. And it would be a real shame for it to disappear. But there's so many. I mean, there's, there's another one that we were really advocating, that's really controversial, called the Lytton Savings Bank. And some people either love it or hate it. And right. it's a roof line um metal you know metal roof it's a huge huge bank on the corner of sunset boulevard and crescent heights right right it's in a like, strip mall now <laughs> you know but it is again a, a good example of that era and those type of banks are gone most of them have been demolished and so right. this one's on the chopping block too and it's really sad because it was a historic um, property it was designated historic and that got revoked for some crazy odd reason which is right <laughs> so. well i think we're gonna um expand this and talk to ron so he's probably chomping at the bit waiting on the side to throw his two cents in and again we're social distancing so i'm gonna get up and move and then he's gonna join in so okay I am so happy to see you, Mark. It's so great to just spend some time. And I'm such a fan of yours. So thank you for having thank me. Thank you. Thank you, Jamie. Have a good weekend. Hold on. All right. Bye-bye. Hello, everybody. Hi, Mark. Hi, Ron. How are you doing? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shift over a bit. All right. So were you listening to your associate there? I was. Okay. Even in my social distancing. Yes. I... <laughs> so, you know, um, I just learned this about you the other day. I know you're, you're also a Los Angeles native. I am. I'm a third generation Angelino. Yeah. One of the rare ones. Yes. So um, how did you get in design? And, and I just learned that um, I think your father was a musician. Yes. Is that right? Yes, he was. So did, did that have any influence in your direction for a career? It had a huge influence in my design career. Um, unlike my business partner, who was trained solely in interior design and architecture, my first degree is in and But I always had this creative side. And as a kid, you know, my room in the house my mother always indulged me it could never stay the same i was always changing our house 
And my dad worked with all of the greats. And he was in a quartet. Um, and one of their biggest clients was Doris Duke. And so as a kid, I got to run around Doris Duke's house when they would be in their rehearsals. And when my mother was pregnant with me, um, she loved my father so much. She, she told my father, you know, when your wife has the baby, let me know what she has. I want to get you something. And she got me, um, it was a christening outfit by Christian Dior that she had made. For wow. Me. Yeah. So I grew up in these types of, of grand houses and I thought everybody lived that way. So it yeah. was, it was fun for me because he would, he would take me on rehearsals with him all the time. And um, so I had a pretty fun childhood that way. But I got to see this, this really grand lifestyle of primarily Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And so it, it gave me this. That's, that's had a tremendous impact on the direction you took. Yes. Yeah. Direction. So um, the one thing that I find fascinating um, that about you and Jamie currently, you have an organization called um, SIA, Saving Iconic Architecture. Yes. And it's one thing that um, that's very interesting to me, and I'd like to talk a little bit about it. If, is that okay? Yes. I know it happens to be a passion for the two of you. So how did the two of you get um, involved and how did you start this? Well, interestingly enough, um, we've been fortunate to be able to have great clients who can afford the best of the best of architecture. And um, we were finding that we were going on uh, consultations with potential clients and we were going on these beautiful homes, you know, uh, Wallace Neffs, uh, A. Quincy Jones, and, and we had this continuing um, theme that people were saying, oh, well, you know, we bought this, this house, and, but it's too small, we're gonna tear it down. And we were horrified. It's like, you know, why'd you buy it if, if it was too small? Um, and the straw that broke the camel's back was, um, we were invited to, on a consultation, for the Jim Backus estate in Bel Air. And, was completely intact. Um, and the Bacchuses had lived there for many, many years in beautiful grounds. And we got into the foyer with the potential client. First thing she said was, we're gonna tear it down because it's too small. And Jamie and I, we were checked out at that point. We knew it wasn't gonna be the project for us. Um, and, but we went, a, along with it and we left there thinking and saying to one another you know someone's got to do something someone's got to do something and um we started reaching out to the la conservancy and you know they're great um but they were overwhelmed by what they have going on mm -hmm. so it was just too too much for them to um, deal with and so how do you go about, how do you determine whether something has historical value, um, architectural value, or, the, or history to it that's worth saving? Who determines that, and how do you come up with that? Well, how we come up with it is, you know, one, who the architect was, 
um, and in a lot of cases, um, the historic significance of the house, who lived there, what happened in the house, where it is, that type of thing. Um, and, but primarily, you know, really good architecture that once it's gone, it's gone forever. Mm -hmm. And you're never going to see that type of architecture ever again. And again, it really goes back to the provenance of the, of the house. You know, when you think about it, would anyone ever think about tearing Versailles down? No, you wouldn't. Um, and it's really the same thing. We have some of the best architecture in this city. It's world class. And we're, we're losing it in, in record numbers. And mm -hmm. so it, it, we thought it was incumbent upon us um, to do something about it. Mm -hmm. and well, you know, um, recently with something that we all can remember is the, um, the loss of Notre Dame and it catching fire and being destroyed. Well, it's being rebuilt because it's, it's such an important um, it's a signature piece of architecture uh, in the world. Right. So it's very important. Um, I know I've been, I've been very fortunate to work on a number of historic homes from Italy to London. Um, I've done several historical restorations in Nantucket. Um, my own guest house in, in Montecito, uh, when I started to remodel it and rebuild it, I found out that it was a historical structure and that it was designed by Carlton Winslow. And they didn't want me to change anything in the exterior of the home because they said it was the finest example of, of that period of architecture that had been untouched. So um, as I began to work on the house, of course, I saved the exterior. I made some changes and updated the interior, but there were elements of it that I had thought of changing and out of respect to Carlton Winslow and the history of this house, I saved them. And when the whole project was done, I was actually, I felt the house was richer because I did save these elements. And I understand the importance of saving things because we travel around the world and we travel around the country and we see great buildings. They inspire us. We want to copy them and we don't want to lose this. The reason we love going to Italy and to France and to South America is, is to see great architecture. Um, it, it, it moves us. It's very important. And um, I have a home in Santa Barbara. So and I think the, the magic of Santa Barbara is the whole community has a great feel to it. It's been preserved. And that's one of my attractions. And I know it's the attraction for most people. They love that feeling. Mm -hmm. So it's important to save. Now, on the other hand, and we, we discussed this briefly the other day, um, I'm not one that likes living in the past. I always look forward. I look to the future. I look for things that are new. We have to progress life changes, lifestyle changes. So how do we preserve what we have? How do we go about doing that? And how do we move forward so we can't possibly save everything? And we're living in a time today that every architect's a celebrity, every designer's a celebrity, every chef's a celebrity, every becomes noteworthy. So. Um, how do we distill that down and have a select amount of um, 
items in each category that we deemed uh, worthy of saving? Well, first of all, I mean, there's a, let's, let's just cut to the chase. There's a lot in Los Angeles that does need to be torn down. Right. And, <laughs> you know, and I'll be the first one to help. Um, but at the same time, there's so many other good pieces of architecture that form the fabric of how our city was formed. And when you take that away, you're taking that history away forever. And, and so oftentimes there are projects and sometimes people feel like just because I have a historic house or noteworthy house that I can't make any changes to it. And that's not true. I mean, you can make the interior of a house um, specifically for the 21st century. And that's, that's not what we're saying. We're not anti-growth by any means. But, you know, when you think about it, like we were talking about Italy and France, if you had a house or a flat in Mayfair, you couldn't begin to think about tearing that flat down mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. just because you wanted something new. Now you could do interesting things to the interiors. And we've done that. There was a, a house, a noteworthy house in Hancock Park that we worked on with a client. And from the outside, it was a 1940s colonial. It was gorgeous, but our client has a real modern sensibility, but she also likes the classics. So from the street, the house was completely 1940s updated, but when you walked inside, it was completely modern. So there's this, there's a way of coming to a happy median on this. And, but if you, the hard part, as you said, everybody wants to be a developer, everybody wants to be a celebrity architect. And if you drive down our streets now, there's just box after box after box. And that's, that's not going to be noteworthy um, in years to come. You know, we, we say, you look at the 70s and go, oh, God, that's an ugly 70s or that's an ugly 80s. Well, there's some that have a history that is wider than that, that, we, that make the fabric of this city. And right, and also given time, a lot of buildings that were considered uh, mediocre in their days become noteworthy. Um, I was very fortunate um, many, many years ago um, to work on the um, Kaufman House in Palm Springs. And it's probably Neutra's um, most famous work. And uh, at the time, he wasn't recognized as the significant architect he is today. And we preserved the house. We did make some changes inside. And I think if I was going to approach that project today, I would look at it very differently because it's, it's such an iconic and a famous piece of architecture. You know, Julius Schumann um, photo did some of the, his greatest photographic work at that house. There's mm -hmm. a photograph where he had women from the 60s sitting around the hairdo with, or sitting around the swimming pool with big hairdos and, and cocktails. And it, it's wonderful. Um, and I think of, you know, um, Paul Williams and, and some of the great um, architects here in Los Angeles. Now, one of the things I, I'm a little, I go back and forth on the fence about. I recently uh, purchased a new home in Santa Barbara and I'm in the process of rebuilding it. And, and I just, I haven't started yet, but I found out um, that they think it may have historical value. Now, 
and I may be limited to what I can do to this house. And had I have known this prior to purchasing it, I probably wouldn't have bought the house. Or I would have had the historical review done before I purchased it to find right. out what I could do, because that would determine um, what I could do to this structure. And I'm just wondering, going forward, if people are purchasing a home, is it a good thing to have a historical review done on it prior to purchasing it to find out if you can add a master suite? Can you expand this? Can you change this? Because if you purchase something and find out your options are limited, um, I know a lot of people that are very, they get very angry about this. They're not interested in preserving it. They feel it's their piece of property. They should be able to do what they want with it. So um, I'm just wondering if in the future, if um, we are going, we should be reviewing these pieces prior to them being sold so that people are aware of this upfront. That they know what they're getting into. Yes. With that said, SIA, we're working on an initiative with the city that's um, called the Places of Significance Protection Act. And that is what that's going to do is you know, if you buy a house, you're going to know what you're getting into. Right. And you are not going to just be able to tear it down. And that's the problem that we have here so oftentimes. There's something that's called adaptive reuse that you can build upon something that's already there, that you don't have to mm -hmm. tear you can add to it. You can make it something interesting, um, but just not tear it down. It still has a, a life to it. Um, the Chewy House, Richard Neutra's, um, one of his top 10 houses that we were instrumental in saving was going to be on the chopping block. Mm -hmm. New owners, this is a ex perfect example. Um, Tim Campbell is the architect on it now, and we're doing a, a really mindful addition to the house. Mm -hmm. And But the core of the house is still gonna be there. And the owners who are fantastic and love architecture, it is going to be spectacular and build upon what Richard Neutra set forth in it. And is the client excited about this now that they? Yes. Well, that's good. That's yeah. good. So, you know, and there are a lot of people who seek out these types of houses because they are, they're art. I mean, right. Well, you see in the real estate ads today, they now have architectural gems. They talk about this is an architectural masterpiece and they're selling them as such. Right. But I think in that case, it's great because the people that are purchasing it will know that there probably will be limitations. Um, do you, but do you think the average person is aware of um, architectural history and the fact that they may be limited into what they can do when they make a purchase? Well, and, and again, because our city has been really lax on architectural preservation, people, I'm going to give some people a pass on this. They just don't know what they don't know. But if there is legislation put into place where, again, I, I go back to places in, in Europe, you wouldn't even begin to think about tearing 
a, a house down um, because you just, you couldn't. No, you can't. I mean, if you, a friend of mine who was studying uh, urban planning and design in Italy years ago said, you know, uh, Rome is a dead city. He said, you put the shovel in the ground and you hit something historic. You know, you hit a, 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 some monument, something. So he said, you can't do anything without the approval of the government. Right. And so when he moved to L.A., he was very excited because he said, Rome's a dead city. As a young architect, I can come to Los Angeles and create anything I want. And I had never really looked at it that way. And I thought, how exciting for somebody like that. And that's why I was asking you the question about living, you know, in the past and going into the future. Um, this is something we could, you know, it's really passionate to me. And, uh, and I know it is to you and Jamie, and I could talk for hours about this. And unfortunately, we don't have the time. Uh. But um, I, I would love to uh, carry this conversation on further at some point in the future, if you'd be interested. Oh, definitely. Uh, and I noticed that we have uh, some people who are, who are watching us, and they're proposing some questions. And unfortunately, we just don't have the time. Uh, yes. So... Yeah. Anyway, is there anything um, you'd like to say about um, your organization in closing? Um, well, I would, I would welcome people to get to know what, what we're doing um, and how we're doing it and how we're trying to save our city. And again, we're, we're not anti-growth. I want that to be known. Mm -hmm. um, and yes, Los Angeles is a city of discovery. People come here to, to become um, something they've always dreamed of. But at the same time, it can't be sacrificed by our history and what made and brought from, from here. And so I think um, we are hell-bent on this journey of, of saving our city and we welcome everyone to to join us um, i will give you the web address it's siaprojects.org and people can go on and see what we're doing and seeing what we've accomplished and why we've we've done it and um, we hope we can garner more and more support Good. That's great. Thank you, Ron. It's admirable. Thank so you. is uh, Jamie still there in the background? She is. She? We're, 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 she's in the other wing of our... Okay. All right. Well, hi, Jamie. Anyway, I want to thank you both. It was great. I adore you both. And thanks for talking. Thank you. All right. Goodbye. And I'd like to say um, we have um, some very interesting people lined up in the next uh, month or two. And I think you're going to enjoy them. Next week, um, I'm going to be speaking with the dynamic Sue Firestone. And I hope that you'll be watching because Sue is a very fascinating person. Yeah, Great. Yeah. And thank you, everyone. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye-bye. Bye. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thank you for listening to Designers at Home. Follow us on Instagram at Mark Weaver and Associates to listen to live or subscribe to this podcast. If you found this podcast valuable and insightful, share it with your friends, comment, and subscribe. 
We are also on YouTube at Mark Weaver and Associates. Thank you.